You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 294. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum, episode 294, after Labor Day. Uh, sorry for keeping an odd schedule here. Uh, I try not to do that, um, but, uh, you know, I'm thinking about changing the, the schedule for the podcast. I don't know exactly how. Um, you know, I set the schedule, what, six years ago, five years ago? Uh, life's different now, so we'll see what happens. I, I just want to make sure that I, I get this particular episode right because, you know, it was quite technical and I wanted to kind of understand, make sure that I had a good enough understanding of the topic at hand, which is uh, which is state chains. But uh, before talking about state chains today, I want to go back uh, a little bit in terms of the development of, uh, of crypto and the crypto economy uh, going into 2022. It was reasonable to expect a crash in, in cryptocurrency and a drop in prices uh, in Bitcoin and Ethereum and in all of the, the minor altcoins, uh, given the massive gains that took place in the, the value of those coins and the value of those assets in 2020 and 2021. And remember, 2021 was also that NFT craze that I, I believe we spoke about on the show. When did we speak about the NFT craze on the show? Now I'm kind of remembering the... Uh, um, Oh man, I, I, I don't even. I, I don't think any of my titles were even on NFTs. Uh, cert, oh, digital art token and rationalists episode one sixty. Yeah, it might be that one. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna post that on the on the show notes page today. Okay, yeah, 2021 was was nuts. 2020 was nuts as well. But okay. You go after 2021, such huge gains. There's got to be a pullback. There's got to be a crash. There's always a crash. But what actually happened went far beyond that. And I'm going to summarize a little bit. I mean, I know a lot of you maybe don't care about the details of this market, but after this, I'm going to describe what I think is part of the answer and what things might look like in the future. And so that, I think, is the interesting part of this story. Um, what happened was so many companies and institutions that people trusted, and this is not in the days of Mt. Gox in 2014, where it was some guy with a card trading site who decided to hop on the Bitcoin bandwagon when it was like a <clears throat> dollar a Bitcoin or something like that, um, and then it increased in value to a few hundred, and then all of a sudden the whole thing collapsed. These were massive institutions backed by supposedly uh, reputable names. And they all turned out to be engaging in unscrupulous business practices. Now, some of those unscrupulous business practices were outright fraud, and outright fraud, and some were just incompetence. And uh, you know, some was cutting corners that they shouldn't be cutting. But so many groups got caught with their pants down. Essentially, uh, it started with Three Arrows Capital uh, out of Singapore, which amazingly seems to have lost nearly 100% of their assets. Uh, you know, if you look into that bankruptcy, usually a bankruptcy is they have some assets left and, and they have to distribute the rest of their assets. These guys seem to have lost almost all of it. I don't know how that happens. Um, maybe maybe it won't be all almost all of it once, uh, once those assets get tracked down um, by whatever legal system is available in Singapore. But that sounds, that sounds so stupendously... Uh, um, uh, horrendous. I mean, it must have been just some kind of a situation where they were so over collateralized 
uh, that the whole thing just collapsed. And this was followed by, okay, some of you know the names, and if you don't know the names, you probably don't care, but Celsius, Hodlnot, Voyager, Gemini Urn, Genesis, BlockFi, and of course, last but not least, um, some call it the biggest BS of all, uh, FTX. Um, and they declared bankruptcy and straight out lost people's assets. And they all followed the same playbook of communications. You know, everything is fine. We're liquid, non-solvent. This is just duration mismatch. We're going to raise more funds. We're going to cut a deal. Uh, and, you know, it was all lies. And it's hard to hear everyone in the industry blatantly lying from what I hear uh, in bankruptcies. It's, uh, it's very common for management to constantly make excuses and mislead. And, and what, what's the term? Dissemble, obfuscate. I feel like there is a vocab term that better fits the, um, the situation here than just, just plain lying. But, but okay, we can argue about that. Um, and, you know, sometimes you believe them, sometimes not. But it's a huge red pill to kind of realize that they are never actually out there to inform you that many, many of these uh, company, uh, most company communications is there to, um, to, uh, to manipulate you. <laughs> so I'm not even going to dignify these people by mentioning their names. Some of you, if you follow this or if you got caught up in this, you know who they are. Others, you might not be in crypto at all, so you just don't care. Whatever it is, they suck. We're not going to spend too much time talking about them, but uh, where are they? Where are we now? As of this date, this is September 2023. Uh, most of these bankruptcies are still pending, uh, an approval of a bankruptcy restructuring plan by the courts. Some of these plans got, have gone through, and and some amounts have been returned to to some consumers. Uh, the vast majority has yet to be approved or returned, especially in that last FTX hairball. Um, and of course, due to dollarization, which on bankruptcy, the idea of dollarization, if you owe someone Bitcoin, do you owe them Bitcoin or you owe them dollars? It's not a straightforward, uh, you know, I, I've been told online, like, oh, it always gets dollarized. It turns out it's not that straightforward. But because of some dollarization, you know, they went bankrupt at the bottom of the market. It's doubtful that anyone will be made close to whole in their crypto investments. But over the next six months, it is likely that Many of these plans will be approved, hopefully the majority of them. Maybe investors will get chunk, chunks backed before the next Bitcoin halving, which usually causes the next bull run, and that would mean that uh, not all is lost. For sure, some will, so some won't. But what about the future? Um, there's a lot of different talk about how to analyze this. The so-called uh, Bitcoin maximalists who say that you should only have Bitcoin uh, believe that they have been vindicated because most of the smaller cryptocurrencies have done poorly with respect to Bitcoin. Uh, and so if you hold Bitcoin, you're going to, uh, you're going to gain more. Uh, and also, like most of those smaller, a lot of those smaller currencies were kind of backed by these horrendous companies. And so now a lot of them are, are, are gone or, or have gone to zero. And some of them, you know, like Zcash, I've talked about, which is amazing tech. Uh, for some reason, it's just not getting ad adoption. Uh, maybe they haven't gotten the tech to work as well as they thought. That's that's been going down. Uh, with respect to dollars, no, no, um, uh, 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 no, you know, not even talking about with with respect to Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, and then you know something like Library, which you know was was I thought a very innovative company, but got attacked by government. So that that's gone down with respect to Bitcoin. So Bitcoin maximalist looks at this and they say only hold Bitcoin. So furthermore, they also say that anyone who got their money wrapped up with these external forces, even if denominated in Bitcoin, wasn't actually holding Bitcoin because it wasn't in self-custody. So in all this, I think they 
they turned out to be partially vindicated, maybe not as vindicated as as they would as as they would claim. Because first of all, some cryptos actually do outperform Bitcoin. Lots do in the short run, and Ethereum, for example, uh, has outperformed Bitcoin over many years. Uh, uh, and um, you know, if uh, according th- th- there's there is an argument, and I think I gave this argument uh, at the beginning of of last year. I don't know if it was the the predict. If, I don't know if it was like New Year's thoughts or if it was. Um, uh, no, I think it was a different episode. Let's see. Did we do a? Pred- I definitely did a predictions episode uh, with Aaron. No, okay. It must be the New Year's predictions episode two sixty, um, where there is an argument for uh, Ethereum continuing to outperform Bitcoin. Now, maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, but um, but 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 there's an argument on this. So. Like in all new innovation spaces, most of the entrants die off, so it's not, uh, you know, it's not crazy for the Bitcoin maximalists to be right in, in that sense. So if you have a basket of cryptos, it'll likely perform worse than Bitcoin unless you've picked them and have a strategy for trading them exceptionally well. So I think the winners here are not necessarily the Bitcoin maximalists, who you know obviously you, you know you might want to diversify, but kind of the self custody maximist. Maximalist. Uh, the original idea behind cryptocurrency was that you should be able to be your own bank. You should be able to hold on to the crypto yourself. It's uncensorable. Um, it's very, very hard to steal. You know, someone um, um, or, or nearly impossible to steal if you're if you're uh, if your security is done right. But that's a scary thing for a lot of people. It's like personal responsibility. Um, which leaves open space for other companies to quote help out, and there's a good way to help out. You know, you could be a, um, you could be kind of a, a crypto security company and sort of help people with their personal security, or you could keep um, keep passwords and private keys safe, um, or just general, uh, you know, or just general privacy and security uh, protocols for 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 people to follow when they're online. Um, but it sucks that most of the people who actually do step forth to help out and claim to want to help out are the most odious and unsavory uh, business characters in the world. And, but, uh, you know, so there, there's kind of that problem there where, um, you know, it's kind of scary for people to do self-custody. Now, uh, for, for many people who have tried it, it's it's not as hard as it seems, but I think it's the idea of it that it's hard to get used to. And <laughs> the people who are self-custody maximalists, some of them have a hard time understanding why it's a big deal for people. I think I do. Um, I think it, I do. We're not used to um, doing that kind of a thing. Um, but that's that's one problem people, people have. And it's another problem, uh, a secondary problem is that these on-chain transactions that people do are expensive. So if I want to send Ethereum to someone else, I want to send Bitcoin to someone else, I want to send any of these things to someone else, maybe the, 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 the smaller coins are cheaper because there's not a whole lot of people using their blockchains. But uh, for, for Bitcoin and Ethereum, it gets expensive because there's only one blockchain. Uh, there is only so much space on that blockchain. There's competition for that space, and you have to pay a transaction fee. And it's a flat fee, so the percentage of the transaction gets less if you're doing large transactions. But if you're doing small transactions, uh, you know you don't want to pay a five dollar transaction fee. Um, and you know it's it's kind of unclear how high it is. Sometimes it's a few pennies, uh, which I think is is fine for most things. 
Um, but you know, when it gets to be a few dollars, and you don't you don't want to you know you don't want to be stuck with that. Um, so uh, these on-chain transactions are expensive. That's why these kind of centralized systems come about. Um, you know, a company that has done this without <laughs> going bankrupt and losing everyone's funds uh, is is Coinbase. Um, because they they hold all of their or supposedly hold everything uh, on a one to one basis. Uh, Binance claims that they do it too, um, but we'll see. There's some questions about that. So, are there any solutions here? Are there any solutions where people can do self custody? Uh, um, you know, while, while solving this problem, and I'm going to propose that the industry take a look at a solution that's. Um, currently being worked on by several companies. Um, it was it, The solution has been floated several years ago. A lot of really smart engineers have been looking at it. Um, but I think in the last round, it was shelved by entrepreneurs who wanted to move fast and break things. Uh, now, move fast and break things um, in, in social media, like when I worked at Foursquare, move fast and break things might be like, oh, okay, people were using Foursquare one way. Well, we're going to change it. We're going to see if people want to use it another way. And then, you know, the consumers might get a little mad. Um, and that's breaking things. But <laughs> in the case when you're holding people's money, uh, you don't want to break things. That's, uh, 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 that, and, and, and break they did. Um, so, and by the way, one of the problems that I think will come up uh, over the next uh, over the next kind of uh, crypto cycle uh, might be that the custodial forces uh, could be, uh, you know, now now it's going to be a rung higher than than what it was before. So it started with Mt. Gox, you know, shady, shady as heck. Then it goes up to, uh, okay, uh, you know, the FTXs and the BlockFi's of the world where it's like, you know, okay, it seems like they are um, more, more well-established. They're they're in some cases public companies. Um, they're endorsed by well-known business leaders in in, in the U.S. There and and then no, it turns out that uh, it turns out that uh, they're they're not good at all. But now it, it could be transferred to you know some well-known banks like you know J.P. Morgan or an ETF. And will they then be the next group to to break everything? I mean, I hope not. I I, I hope I hope things work out for them. So, but. Um, if they don't want to break things, if they want to do it properly, uh, this solution that I'm about to go into, which, you know, if you, uh, I'll probably put it in the title of the episode, state chains, uh, might be a good way for these large institutions to handle these funds. And it might be, and if somebody, and sometimes these large institutions might just be like, you know, custodial and not, not trading. If you want to make a large trading system or a large, uh, a, a large exchange, uh, then, um, uh, then uh, uh, state chains might be something uh, good to look into, uh, because with state chains, I, I think the, the 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 great idea behind it is that you are not going to be able to kind of you. It's it's sort of like a halfway solution between full self custody and um, and uh, no self custody. So here's how it works. Uh, you interact with a state chain server. If you're the user, if I want to hold, let's say I want to hold some Bitcoin, um, I kind of have to work with a state chain server to do this and to do my accounting and my interaction. So in that sense, I imagine that using a state chain will feel like uh, using a centralized exchange. It might feel like using Coinbase or something like that or, or Binance. But underneath, 
It's not that at all. Uh, the coins, let's say it's Bitcoin, it could be something else. They're broken up into different denominations. Let's say like, you know, 0.1s and the 0.2s and the 0.05s, um, or, you know, maybe in Satoshi's 100,000 Satoshi's uh, here, 200,000 Satoshi's there. So they're in kind of uh, just like bills, they're sort of broken up into meaningful denom denominations, then put into little accounts in the blockchain. Okay, that's kind of a one-time thing, one-time transaction fee. Then these accounts are two of two, meaning that two signatures are needed to spend it. So uh, let's say one Bitcoin is, is a lot of money now. What is it like a, a Today it's twenty five thousand dollars, but just just to be, uh, you know, just to just to make it a nice round number, let's say I have one bitcoin. Um, that means that I need to sign in order to spend it, and the state chain server needs to sign in order to spend it. So if the server cooperates and the server is a is a is a uh, valid um, counterparty, great. Um, but if not, what happens is when you gain control over this. Uh, over this entity in the state chain that represents one Bitcoin that you can see on the blockchain, what you're doing is you're actually signing an off-chain transaction with that server. And when you receive, so uh, um, you, you can actually use that off-chain transaction to withdraw that onto the chain yourself, that one Bitcoin onto the chain yourself in the event that the server is either unresponsive or turns evil. Now, in, in, in reality, this server is probably going to be a large company that generally follows the law. Um, it's, it's not going to randomly decide to like steal everyone's, um, steal everyone's coins. Although, you know, what could happen is like, you know, a government come in and say, oh, we want, uh, we, we want these assets frozen or we want these assets seized and that company would not be able to comply. Furthermore, uh, the way it's set up, a, a lot of these uh, state chain servers are really federations. So it's probably lots of different companies all over the world that are kind of expected to, um, uh, to, um, to act in a certain way. But let's say they're unresponsive. They don't want to give you control of your Bitcoin. You have that off-chain transaction to take it yourself. Okay, great. And if they turn evil, um, then then you could use that to take it yourself as way uh, as well. Okay. So then, what do you do to trade these? Um, you know, do you have to then get this state chain server's permission to trade with someone else? Uh, and it turns out, no. Uh, engineers have worked this out. To trade these, you don't need to do an on-chain transaction. You don't need to do a transaction fee. I mean, after all, if you have one Bitcoin in there, if you do an on-chain transaction, it's no longer going to be one Bitcoin. It's going to be 0.999 or something. So what you do is you hand over your private key to the new user, kind of like handing over the bill. Um, then you simultaneously invalidate your old transaction that allowed you to uh, withdraw that with the state server. And that's kind of, that one kind of was, uh, was complicated for me. I wasn't exactly sure how that was going to work, but I sort of, uh, I sort of looked it up. It's quite technical, but, but it can be done. That's possible. And then it makes, uh, you know, such a, uh, and then, then it makes that transaction with the new user and the state chain server says, okay, I will only act with that, with that new user. We promise. There is kind of like a world where the state chain server could turn evil and cooperate with some old users and try to invalidate transactions that are that are new or that are try to um, not that they can't 
push through invalidated transactions, but like, you know, do that two of two signature to try to get the coins out. Um, and so that, you know, that is, that, that's like the main risk, but it sounds like it's, it's, that would be very difficult to do. So, all right. I, you know, hopefully if, if you don't understand, it, it, it's a lot to kind of wrap your head around through audio. Um, but uh, if you're intrigued, definitely check it out. I'll put the links on the show notes page, localmaxradio.com slash 294. Um, but the, the cool thing about trading these is nothing happens on the blockchain. So there's no transaction fees. And so I can ma- imagine giant exchanges uh, basing their services off this model. They could have state chains for lots and lots of different coins and they can have, uh, you know, you could easily, you know, if you have a, a, a one Bitcoin state chain and you don't want to give one Bitcoin to someone, you could simply uh, you could simply exchange those for 10.1s, you know, and then you can you can trade your point ones just like you would uh, with dollars, with, with regular money, uh, regular money, I shouldn't say regular money, fiat currency. So I can imagine giant exchanges uh, basing their services off this model. I think that um, I think that what would happen is you'd have lots of different coins. You'd be currently breaking them apart and like exchanging one for the other, and uh, and um, it would all be essentially free. Um, and uh, you know, uh, th- there are some companies that are are starting to do this right now. There's one called Mercury Wallet, which I haven't looked into that much, but it's sort of interesting. Uh, Mercury Wallet is a wallet that's based on state chains, so uh, so it has been used, it has been implemented. Uh, and then, of course, and I, I believe there's a company dedicated entirely to, oh, oh, yeah, there's a company called Commerce Block, which is dedicated entirely to developing out state chains. I will uh, put that in the show notes today, uh, right over here. Um, and so I think this would be a great future. And um, I, I think that... Uh, um, my hope is that a company that's that's basing their exchange off of state chains, uh, where you know everything has to be held one to one, you could immediately audit what you have. Uh, even you know you might not be technical, but you know that like you know if I own one bitcoin, I could literally see that one bitcoin somewhere on the blockchain, and I can verify that uh, the transaction that I have can indeed pull it off. Uh, so that would be an, an kind of an, make it immediately auditable to the users. And I hope that one of these companies really focuses on making their products the easiest because that's the problem that needs to be solved because you don't want the, um, you don't want the ugly players uh, to be the easiest. <laughs> you want, the, uh, you want the, the, the good players to be the easiest. Unfortunately, the, the people who are most technically sound are not always the best at, uh, at UX. So that's, that's kind of a problem to solve. Um, but, you know, even, you know, these, a company based on state chains, I think, could be very profitable because there's, there's no transaction fee but you could still charge a transaction fee for interacting with their server, but it's going to be a lot less than the transaction fee on the blockchain. And so you could make money like that. You could even hold, give people rewards for holding their money on the system uh, you know, that, that's paid out based on, 
based on transaction fees that you're that you're getting, which which could increase the value of the systems. They'd be very modest rewards. They won't be like the the three percent you know interest rate that you might get elsewhere, or the five percent or whatever. But uh, you know you, you might be able to get get a little bit that could kind of uh, incentivize things um, purely based off of people trading. Uh, so I think this is a, a cool product. I, I think that, um, or, or a cool technical system, it works with the Lightning Network very well. Uh, we talked about the Lightning Network all the way back in uh, episode uh, 212 with Guy Swan. And so we'll see what happens with state chains. Um, I'm excited for this next round of crypto as we move into the Bitcoin happening in 2024 and as we put uh, 2022 behind us, which admittedly might take another six months to a year, but I, I think uh, crypto spring is coming. Okay, a few updates on, uh, on copyright and AI, which is a big, big issue right now. One article here is, one headline here is from Ars Technica. Uh, OpenAI disputes authors' claims that every ChatGPT response is a derivative work. Just to read this a little bit. This week, OpenAI finally responded to a pair of nearly identical class action lawsuits from book authors, including Sarah Silverman, Paul Tremblay, Mona Awad, Chris Golden, and Richard Cadre, who earlier this summer alleged that ChatGPT was illegally trained on pirated copies of their books. In OpenAI's motion to dismiss, filed in both lawsuits, the company asked a U.S. district court in California to toss out all but one claim alleging direct copyright infringement, which OpenAI hopes to defeat at a later stage of the case. Skipping ahead, OpenAI claimed that the authors misconceived the scope of copyright, failing to take into account the limitations and exceptions, including fair use, that property, properly leave room for innovations like large language models now at the forefront of artificial intelligence. So again, folks, we see all, uh, a lot of back and forth between the need for innovation and uh, concerns that authors and publishers have over uh, use of their works, um, and the latter may be overreaching somehow in the courts, but the courts are not going to have an easy time. Um, um, they're, they're not going to have an easy time uh, sifting through all of this, given that, you know, intellectual property is taken seriously by the courts, uh, and uh, we just live in that world. And so um, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be an issue quite some time. We'll, we'll follow this, and we'll see what happens with OpenAI. I think that in order to have kind of a proper, um, I mean, a lot of people want to stop uh, stop AI in its tracks. So this might be a good way to, to do it if that's what you want to do. But if you want to promote innovation and you want to have a healthy market for innovation, I feel like claiming that large language models and like we were talking about uh, last time with, uh, you know, uh, with what, what was the, the company Prosecraft, um, if you want to say that anything kind of based off of these works is is derivative, you're sort of stopping all innovation because everything is a derivative work on some level. So uh, we'll see how this gets resolved. Um, and basically, it's up to the courts and up to our legislators and up to um, you know up to the, the all of the actors involved 
to figure out how to uh, how to get through this properly, and hopefully they allow for more innovation. All right, another related article. This is huge right now. So many of these issues are are coming out in the open. I I, I mean, it's probably it's been almost a year since uh, ChatGPT came out. That turned out to be certainly a, a watershed uh, moment in in generative AI. Uh, and so maybe maybe now that we're at the year mark, all of these issues have come to light. Maybe that's the reason. But on September 4th, according to the ticker.org, U.S. court rules that artificial intelligence generated artwork cannot be copyrighted. So this is on the other side. This is not on the side of, oh, you used my book to train your model. Your model, now I somehow own like a piece of it. This is, okay, I used a model to generate a book. Or, or generate artwork of some time. Now, I own it. It turns out that um, this court, at least for now, is saying, no, uh, copyright is not going to apply in these cases where uh, you generated some of this stuff from a machine. Uh, reading from the article, on August 8th, United States District Court Judge Beryl A. Howell ruled that artwork created by artificial intelligence without a human creator cannot be copyrighted Howell upheld in her decision that human authorship is a bedrock requirement of copyright. A lawsuit arose after plaintiff Stephen Taylor, uh, or Thaler, a computer scientist and inventor of the creative creativity machine paradigm, applied for a copyright license from the United States Copyright Office pertaining to the 2012 artwork, a recent entrance to paradise generated by his own creative machine program. The office repeatedly rejected his request, resulting in Thaler suing the agency's director. Amid losses in the U.S. court system, Thaler also applied for patent protection in other countries, such as Australia, the U.K., South Africa, and Saudi Arabia. So this is not the end of it. Um, this plaintiff will file an appeal, and this is something else that we'll have to watch over the coming months and years to see, uh, is copyright law going to apply to... Uh, to AI-generated models. Um, again, it all comes down to uh, <laughs> the more copyright law it is, it seems like the less innovation there is and the less permissionless innovation uh, there will be. Uh, and so this court ruling might be a good thing, although I'd like to know what, what you think of it. Maybe there's reasons to have very good, uh, you know, very stringent copyright law here. I'm sure there's a lot of arguments for it. Localmaxradio at gmail.com if you want to weigh in or uh, go to the locals, maximum.locals.com. All right. Now, the good news is I have been on a lot of podcasts. I've been busy doing a lot of podcasts recently, um, some of which will be coming out in real time and go on the website and see the podcasts that I've been on. Some of them, uh, you know, when the uh, when the podcast host says I can, I'll republish on to this feed, and so I'm looking forward to that. I did one political one the other day, and I did one uh, interview yesterday, uh, where it was we talked a lot about the philosophy of AI, which was really really interesting. It touched back on all of the topics that that we've talked about on the program. What is understanding? What is consciousness? Uh, so that was that was a blast, and so I hope to share these conversations with you soon. All right, have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support the local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com. 
The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.